podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Friday, the 29th of July, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from, so UK expats wanting BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, all four, etc., etc. A Liberty Shield VPN is what you need. Go to libertyshield.com right now. Use the code EPL25, that's EPL25, to get 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the Anfield Index and EPL Index shops. You'll find them on Etsy. Use the codes RED10 or EPL10 to get 10% off at the checkout. Right, folks, it is Friday. uh, But unfortunately, the weekend doesn't really begin on a cheery note. A Premier League footballer arrested on suspicion of rape is no longer being investigated by police over one of the three alleged incidents. The 29-year-old, who has not been named, was initially taken into custody earlier this month over an alleged attack in June. He was then questioned over two further rape allegations against a different woman, one in April 2021 and one in June 2021. The Metropolitan Police said on Thursday no further action will be taken over the June 2021 allegation, but investigations continue into the other allegations. His bail has been extended until October, In a statement, the Metropolitan Police said no further action will be taken in relation to the offence in June of 2021, but the investigation into the remaining offences is ongoing. The man was initially bailed until a date in August, but that bail has since been extended to a date in early October. On July the 13th, his club said the player who denies the allegations would not be suspended. We are aware of the allegations which are currently subject of a police investigation, said the club, which has also not been named in a statement at the time. Not so much a statement as just an answer to a press inquiry. Now, I'm not going to name the player, but if you were on Twitter last night, you will be aware of who the player is. And it's the player everybody had sort of known it was since the initial arrest. The girl who is the victim of the April and June 2021 attacks, has come out publicly and named the player. She has shared what, in my view, is fairly irrefutable evidence of what took place. She has explained the timeline of events, and she has also 
clarified why a he is no longer being investigated for that June 2021 incident. It's not because there's no evidence. It's not because he's been deemed not guilty of it. It is on a technicality. Now, like I say, I'm not going to name the player. What I will say is that I think it's a really bad look for the club to have not suspended him. Now, I understand that there are legal ramifications there. I get that. But these are very serious allegations. And that girl has provided significant evidence of what took place, including shared text conversations between the two of them. She has provided both photographical and video evidence of her relationship with the player in question. And I don't believe there can be any doubting what she's saying. She has also shared the fact that she was basically paid for her silence, uh, a sum in the region of about £200,000, um, and forced to sign a non-disclosure. She has broken that, obviously, and will potentially have to face legal ramifications for that, which is just a shambolic situation. This is not the case he, this player was arrested for. It's important to realise this. This is not the case the player was arrested for in June of this year. This is a different incident with a different woman. That is two women coming forward to make allegations against this player. Like I say, if you've been on Twitter, you know exactly who I'm talking about. If you haven't, you'll be able to Google it. It's out there. There's no walking it back now. I think that the club have to make a decision to suspend the player. Now that his name is publicly known, you'll all remember with the Benjamin Mendy situation that he was arrested. He was never named. It wasn't public knowledge that he'd been arrested. Manchester City continued to play him for, I believe, about eight months. And then he broke the conditions of his bail when he was arrested again for another rape against another woman. And that's when he was named. And then City took action. Then they suspended him. This case is different to that case in that this player, as yet, has not broken any conditions of his bail. He has not been publicly named by the police or anything like that. But it is similar to the Mason Greenwood situation, where as soon as the information came out publicly about Mason Greenwood, Manchester United suspended him. I think that has to happen here. I think it has to happen here. Because, because it is now public knowledge of who the player is. There's a couple of things, though, that I, I think it's important that we, you know, look at from, from a footballing point of view, but not from a footballing point of view at the same time. What we saw on social media last night made me sick to my stomach. Not only what this girl had to say about what had happened to her, 
but the reaction to it and the reaction to it was sickening absolutely sickening if you're a brother a father of girls or anything of that nature i'm sure you'll agree with me or i hope you will anyway that seeing a girl tell the world what happened to her and be accused of being attention-seeking, of being the one to blame for the situation, of being dragged through the mud by a gang of rabid scumbags whose only connection to this player is that either they're A, from the same nation as him, or B, support the football club that he plays for. Now, let's remember, these people do not know the footballer in, person, in, in question. They don't know him personally. He plays for their football club. He's from their country, plays for the national team. That's the extent of their relationship with him. They do not know him personally. His relationship with them is he doesn't even know they exist. He has no clue these people exist. He doesn't know them. He doesn't know their families. He doesn't know anything about them. Doesn't know them. Doesn't care about them. And yet these people, these horrendous human beings are willing to victim shame a girl who has been raped. I saw some particularly odious scumbags. Uh, the type you expect, the guys that have, you know, Donald Trump in their bio or are fanboys for a certain Portuguese footballer who's long been accused of a similar crime. They just attacked this girl over and over again. Quote tweets, replies, saying horrible things about her, laughing at her, telling her she deserved this, telling her she asked for this. And I really do wonder how our society has gotten to this point. Now, I, I understand Twitter is not a direct reflection of society, but I do also believe that there is an element of the real world in how people act on Twitter. I do believe that. And I wonder how it is that the parents of these morons fail so poorly in their upbringing that they have no respect for a woman, that they would nail their colours to the flag to the flagmast of someone that they don't know that has no relationship to them and expose themselves as these just desperate, desperate people, all for the sake of tribalistic bullshit. On the flip side, you see other morons using this incident as an opportunity to point score over the fan base of the club that the player represents. Let's just all take a step back here. 
Let's take a very deep breath. There is no point scoring to be done here. There is no victim shaming that is acceptable here. The only thing that is important in this situation is that that girl who is clearly going through the most horrible, traumatic period of her life get the support and the help that she needs and that she then get the justice that she deserves. This is not a time for tribalism. This is not a time to back your player. This is not a time to laugh at the other club because it's not your club. Now, that's especially relevant for fans of Manchester City who, outside of Mendy, have had a number of other former players do horrendous things to women. And it is relevant to Manchester United fans who've got one player currently suspended for what he did, pending further investigation, and another who hasn't been able to step foot in America for a decade. But all clubs, fans of all clubs, including local rivals, should not be using this for anything other than to show support for this girl, to spread awareness about sexual assault, to educate young men as to why they can't do things like this. Now, in the text conversations between the girl and this player, it's very clear that this player believes that it is his God-given right to take what he wants, when he wants, from women. I don't need to ask is a direct quote. That is horrific. That is absolutely horrific. And as a brother to two sisters, it makes me feel ill. As a son to a mother, it makes me feel ill. I don't know what way these people were raised, but it wasn't the right way. Now, it's definitely a case with professional footballers where they believe they're bulletproof. Well, it is high time that we start to knock down that belief. It is high time that the Mason Greenwoods, the Benjamin Mendes, this player, the player who was arrested last preseason, and by the way, has still never publicly been named, but we all know who it was, who was arrested for having um, sexual relations with an underage girl, it is time that they start to pay for their crimes.
and be punished for their crimes and be dragged for their crimes. It is never the time to victim shame, ever. This is why women don't report things like this. This is why so many, so many men get away with doing things like this because of the reaction of young boys mostly without a testicle between them who wouldn't know what to do with a girl if they found themselves in a situation of being close to one of them. These are young boys who hate women because women are repulsed by them. And the reason women are repulsed by them is because they're absolute shitheads. And I am going to swear because swearing is warranted in this situation. And the more I think about it and the more I talk about it, the angrier I get. But all I want to do is make it very clear to those that listen. Because I assume that all of you who listen to me have at least some intelligence and understand that point scoring and tribalistic defense of the indefensible is unacceptable and what i need you to do is spread that message and when you see it call it out when you see the manchester united buffoon or the liverpool buffoon having a pop at the general fan base of this relevant club over this incident call it out when you see the moron with fan account tactical or whatever garbage in their bio defending this player remind them number one you don't know him number two he doesn't know you exist and number number three Stop behaving like this. This player is not the victim. This girl is the victim. And protecting this girl, giving her support. This girl spoke yesterday about ending her life because of what she's been through. And because of the reaction she got. This girl needs support. She needs help. She deserves support and she deserves help. And I'm going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to move on. And I'll see you in a sec. Right. Welcome back. Also in the news, Wagatha Christie is finally over. Rebecca Vardy loses the Wagatha Christie libel action case against Colleen Rooney. Uh, the High Court judge in London found it to be substantially true that Rebecca Vardy was in fact the one leaking per personal and private information about Colleen Rooney to the press. 
In a viral social media post in October 2019, Rooney, now age 36, said she had carried out a sting operation and accused Vardy, now age 40, of leaking false stories about her private life to the press. The wife of former England star Wayne Rooney publicly claimed that Vardy's account was the source behind three fake stories she had posted on her private Instagram account. Vardy, who's obviously married to Jamie Vardy, denied leaking the stories and sued her fellow footballer's wife for libel, claiming, while Rooney defended the claim on the basis her post was substantially true. In her ruling, Mrs. Justice Steen said it was likely that Mrs. Vardy's agent at the time, a woman called Caroline Watt, undertook the direct act of passing the information to the son. But she continued, nonetheless, the evidence clearly shows, in my view, that Mrs. Vardy knew of and condoned this behaviour, actively engaging in it by directing Ms. Watt to the private Instagram account, sending her screenshot of Mrs. Rooney's posts, drawing attention to items of potential interest in the press, and answering additional queries raised by the press via Mrs. Watt. The judge added, in my judgment, the conclusions that I have reached as to the extent to which the claimant engaged in disclosing to the son information to which only, sorry, she only had access as a permitted follower of an Instagram account which she knew, and Mrs. Rooney repeatedly asserted was private, suffice to show the single meaning is substantially true. Uh, Colleen Rooney said, it was not a case I ever sought or wanted. I never believed it should have gone to court at such expense in times of hardship for so many people when the money could have been far better spent helping others. Over seven days in courtroom number 13 at the Royal Courts of Justice in London in May, the two footballers' wives each gave evidence as revelations from the case made daily headlines. During the trial, Rooney's barrister, David Sherborne, argued that Vardy had a habitual and established practice of leaking information about those she knew through her friend and former agent, Caroline Watt, to the Sun newspaper. Mad. Absolutely mad. Well, I'm also I'm confused as to why Rebecca Vardy needed an agent, to be completely honest, because I mean, other than being Jamie Vardy's wife, I, I don't know. Now I I have no idea. I don't know what she's famous for, other than being Jamie Vardy's wife. Um it's the same thing goes for Colleen Rooney. She is famous for being Wayne Rooney's wife. She's obviously done her own bits and pieces. I, I just I'm not aware of anything that Rebecca Vardy has ever done. Um, but Rebecca, Rebecca Vardy has, you know, been shown out to not be a very nice person in this situation. And um, you'd hope she learns her lesson. You would hope that she learns her lesson. This is completely non-football related. But if you grew up watching the Wombles, which I did, uh, you may or may not be aware that Bernard Cribbins has passed away at the age of 93. That has made me incredibly sad. Um, I loved the Wombles when I was young. Absolutely loved them. He was in multiple Carry On films. He was in Corrie. He was in Doctor Who. Uh, but yeah, he was the narrator of the Wombles, and that is uh, that is very sad news. 
on a Friday. Anyway, let's go back to football. Mark Cucurella has handed in a transfer request as he attempts to force a move to Manchester City. Uh, This is common practice for City when they don't want to pay the asking price. They basically try and get the player to force the move. Um, Tony Bloom will not be bullied, neither by Manchester City or by Mark Cucurella. Manchester City's offer for Mark Cucurella was way below the value sought by Brighton and Hove Albion. Brighton paid 15 million for the player last year. He had an outstanding season, was voted Players Player of the Year and Player of the Year, as voted for by the fans. He was tremendous all year long for Brighton. And uh, Brighton have set a fee of 50 million. And I think it's more than reasonable for a player who's just turned 24 with plenty of potential for development and with a potential purchasing club who have all the money in the world and have just sold a raft of players this summer. So my expectation is that what Brighton will do is they'll dig their heels in. Tony Bloom did not get where he is by backing down I certainly would not be wanting to get into a a gambling contest with Tony Bloom and uh, I I think either City will pay up or Cucurella will remain with the Seagulls, simple as that I don't see any other circumstance that is possible either City will pay the 50 million or he stays where he is and if City don't want to pay the 50 million, there's plenty of other left backs out there. And that that's my guess is that City have said to Cucurella, if we can't get you for 30, 35 million, uh, we're going to go elsewhere. So you're going to have to force things from your end. He has four years left on his current contract. Brighton won't be pushed around. One club who is getting pushed around is Manchester United. And I thought we'd take a moment to just have ourselves. A good old pre-season chuckle at Manchester United. So, there are many reasons to laugh at Manchester United. Their incredible optimism for the season ahead, based on a few pre-season friendlies. Their insistence that Anthony Martial, who's got, I think, five goals in the last two seasons, is going to lead them to glory. Their refusal to accept that McFred is not an acceptable Premier League midfield. The fact that they paid 80 million for Harry Maguire, the fact that they paid 50 million to Aaron Wan-Bissaka, the fact that they appointed one of the best sporting directors in the world to be their manager when they desperately needed a sporting director and he hadn't really been a manager in a decade. The fact that Ollie was at the wheel. You know, these are many of the reasons to laugh at Manchester United. But this summer, well, this summer has been a very special situation. Thus far, 
they've overpaid significantly for a five foot nine centre back who is going to be eaten alive in the Premier League, in my view. A player who, when Arsenal were trying to buy him, the price was 35 million. And as soon as United became involved, the price went to 50 million. Uh, this is similar to the Anthony situation in which the price pre-summer was around 35 million and is now believed to be around 80 million. Um, and the fact that United are allegedly still considering this to be something they might do. Then we have the Frankie de Jong saga. United have been trying to sign him for months. He has made it very clear that he has no interest in the move. Barcelona would like to sell, regardless of what they say publicly, it's very clear that they are open to a sale. He just doesn't want to go to Manchester United. I would be willing to stake a significant amount of money that if Chelsea or Liverpool or Manchester United or Bayern Munich or Juventus or Paris Saint-Germain were to put in uh, an acceptable offer to Barcelona that Frankie would likely pay for his own flights to go and meet with that club. He just doesn't want to go to Manchester United because, well, he's aware of the fact that they are an absolute train wreck. But United, undeterred by the fact that the player does not want them, continue to beg like a dog at the table, looking for scraps, looking for a rub on the head. And it's all very, very embarrassing because we all know United need help in midfield. And that's where their primary budget should have been spent this summer. Not 65 million on a left back you didn't need and on a five foot nine centre back. That 65 million could have gotten you a legitimately top class midfielder. And the money that you're waving at Barcelona could have gotten you a legitimately top class central midfielder to partner that defensive midfielder behind Bruno Fernandes in your 4-2-3-1. But no, that's not what's happened. Instead, they bought the left-back. They didn't need the five-foot-nine centre-back and continue to bat their eyes at Frankie de Jong, who continues to be as repulsed by them as women are by the young gentleman that I referred to in part one. It's embarrassing at this point. The reek of desperation. And the funniest part is that whenever stories come out in the British press about the Frankie de Jong thing, it's very clear that the source of those stories is Manchester United. Oh, no, the player is interested in the move. Well, he's clearly not, because if he was, he would be there. If he wanted to join Manchester United, he could bend them over a barrel and extract whatever sum of money he wants as a weekly wage. Because we know one thing about United. They're always happy to overpay on wages. Always. This club gave Paul Pogba 300, 350 grand a week for six years to be outright poor. 
after spending 89 million plus all the agents fees and then all the bonuses on top they were more than happy to waste 250 million on the Pogba experience they'd be more than happy to waste another 250 million on Frankie de Jong if that's what it took so Frankie could get a five-year deal at 300 grand a week which is 75 million across the five years another 15 million as a signing bonus get his agent a nice fat check and then get some you know nice big bonuses written in should they ever stumble across the Europa Conference League or the League Cup he could easily make himself 100 million across five years at United without a, a shadow of a doubt but he's happy to stay at Barcelona and take a pay cut, a second pay cut. Now, Gary Neville, the bastion of morality, has had himself a couple of nice big cries on social media, had a big cry about Frankie, said he should sue Barcelona. Nobody forced Frankie de Jong to take that first pay cut to defer those wages. No one forced him to do it. He agreed to do it and he signed a contract to do it. And that contract will have had specific terms as to when that money will be returned to Frankie de Jong. It's unlikely that it states that if you're sold in 12 months, we'll give it to you then. It's very unlikely that it states that. It probably has very specific payment uh, repayment structures in that contract. But Gary Neville wants him to sue. He had another big cry when Barca announced the signing of Jules Koundé, uh, asking, does he know he won't get paid? Well, you know, he's accepted less money to go there than he was offered by Chelsea. So he's clearly very happy with his decision. And by the way, he should be. Jules Koundé and Ronald Arejo, that is going to be an unbelievably good partnership for the next 10 years, potentially, at Barca. I mean, Kunde, I think, is 23. Jules Kunde is 23. He'll be 24 in November. And Ronald Arejo is also 23. Doesn't turn 24 until March of next year. So, five months age gap. They're very similar in age. They're very similar in talent. And as a pairing, I think they work brilliantly together. I think it's just going to be a fantastic fit. And that is something Barcelona are going to be able to build their next great team off. Uh, So Koundé should be happy about that. So the Frankie de Jong thing is the first major thing to laugh at Manchester United for this summer. The second one is obviously the Cristiano Ronaldo thing. Now, United want to keep him purely for commercial reasons. There is absolutely no chance that Eric Ten Hag wants him as part of his team. None at all. He has been on strike for a month. United have been, had all their pre-season, and he's been sitting at home in Portugal. They finally convinced him to return. They dusted off Fergie, defrosted him, 
rolled him out to give an impassioned speech to Ronaldo to try and convince him to stay. And he doesn't want to. He wants to go. The issue is nobody wants him because he joined Juventus, made them immeasurably worse, joined United, made them immeasurably worse, as I predicted he would upon signing. Uh, the reaction is obviously, well, he scored goals. Where would they have been without the goals? They'd have been better. Trust me, they'd have been better because Bruno would have been better and Rashford would have been better and Sancho would have been better and Martial would have been better. And none of these players would have had career worst years because of him. Because that is why they had career worst years, because of him. And you can put together your little two-minute compilations of him creating half chances for the players. It doesn't change the fact of the matter. And the fact of the matter is he made United immeasurably worse last season. And smart clubs look at him and think, we don't want anything to do with him. We don't want his ego. We don't want to pay his wages. We don't want his lack of effort. We don't want his selfish approach to playing the game. None of that. None of that. All he cares about is scoring more goals than Messi in the Champions League. That's why he wants to play in the Champions League next season. Because he thinks in his mind that if he scores the most goals, that makes him the greatest player. Well, that's not really what the situation is, Mr. Cristiano. Uh, you can score all the goals you want. You'll never, ever be as good a player as Lionel Messi or the many other players who were better than you. You're potentially the greatest goal scorer ever, although Messi's goal scoring record is equally as good. But as an all-round player, I mean, it's, it's not even close. Now... On Thursday, an Instagram account dedicated to news about Ronaldo wrote, George Mendes has told Manchester United that Cristiano is adamant about leaving, but Mendes left negotiations less than positive that Ronaldo would get his move. Sir Alex Ferguson had intervened. United insist Ronaldo is not for sale. In response, Ronaldo... Now, how he saw this, I don't know. It, it just shows how fragile his ego is. Impossible not to talk about me one day. Otherwise, the press makes no money. You know that if you don't lie, you can't get people's attention. Keep going, then one day you'll get some news right. I mean, what that means, I don't know. What we do know is that George Mendes has been offering him to everybody, and no one wants him. The only club that actually did want him was Chelsea. And as soon as Thomas Tuchel was asked, he just said no and killed the deal. Atletico Madrid fans have been very open that he's not welcome there. Their president has said he, they don't want him. Bayern Munich's president or whatever Oliver Kahn's title is, he said they don't want him and no one wants him. So he can either stay at Manchester United or he can, I don't know, go to Saudi Arabia or somewhere. Um, but there is no big move for him. United want to keep him for two reasons. Number one, the commercial appeal, which they probably need considering they're not in the Champions League. And number two, it will make Alex Ferguson look really silly if he leaves after a season because it was Ferguson who forced that deal last summer. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer didn't want any part of him. Oli wasn't 
building anything good, but he was building something. It was always going to end in tears. It's just that the signing of Cristiano brought that forward, the ending in tears. When United signed Sancho and Varane, and they had Bruno doing so well, and Rashford would be back from surgery, and they had Martial, they had Greenwood, they had something cooking. They knew what they were at. They hadn't sorted the midfield or anything, and they still had big questions in defence, but they were going somewhere. And this player was forced upon the manager, forced upon the playing squad. He very, very clearly uh, destabilised the dressing room, caused a split in the camp. Maguire's form last season was no worse than the year before or the year before that. But all of a sudden, there were all these question marks about his capability as a captain and stuff. And all of that was coming from Cristiano's camp. Um, and yet United are so desperate to keep him because, well, you don't want Fergie looking silly, do you? It's just, it's so ridiculous. United summer, it just, it hasn't been impressive. They haven't done well in the market. Yeah, they've done fairly well in their preseason games. They're preseason friendlies that no one cares about. And then this type of thing is just a circus. It's just a circus. You've got a new manager just in the door. And he clearly doesn't have final say on personnel. Clearly doesn't. Because if you've ever watched an Eric Ten Hag team, you know he doesn't want any part of this. Doesn't want anything to do with it at all. He's not in that that sort of business. Eric Ten Hag wants to play football a very specific way. And while Martial has his flaws, he's a much better fit than Cristiano is. A mess. An absolute mess. If he stays, there is zero chance they make top four. Zero. If he goes, I don't think they've got a great chance, but there is a small chance. But if he stays, none at all. Right, let's catch up then with whatever the last little bits of news. Uh, Everton are in advance talks to sign Ross Barkley. They also want Michi Batshuayi and Billy Gilmore. Uh, I can only assume Frank Lampard is being bribed by his former club to take on their Deadwood. Uh, I do like Ross Barkley as a player, but I just don't think him going back to Everton is the right move. Uh, I like Michi, and he's Michi'd be a good backup to Calvert-Loon, so I, I'll, I'll give them that. Billy Gilmore's not a Premier League player, not at this point. He needs to go to the Championship for at least a year or go to the Bundesliga, and he needs to develop. But the Premier League is a step too far for him. We saw that at Norwich last season. He was terrible. Terry Neal, former Arsenal and Northern Ireland captain and manager, has died at the age of 80. Belfast-born Neal was Arsenal's youngest captain at the age of 20 and played more than 270 games for the club across a 13-year stay between 1957 and 1970. He was just 34 when he returned to manage Arsenal, steering them to three successive... 
yeah, three successive FA Cup finals. Uh, he won 59 caps and had a spell as Northern Ireland player manager. Played in Bangor's youth team before Arsenal paid £2,500 for him. Crazy. A great career. A, a life well lived. Uh, may he rest in peace. I think that's everything. I think that's everything. We've got the Community Shield tomorrow. Just your frequent reminder, it is a pre-season friendly. It means absolutely nothing. So don't get yourself worked up about it one way or the other. Let's finish with the gossip. Manchester City could abandon their plans to sign Alex Grimaldo until next summer and instead target... No, sorry. Abandon their plans to sign Mark Cucurella until next summer and instead sign Alex Grimaldo or Borna Sosa. I'm not sure why you'd go back for him next summer if you sign a left-back this year. That seems like some poor wording. Everton have approached Paris Saint-Germain over re-signing 32-year-old Senegal midfielder Idrissa Ganagay with talks set to continue over the next few days. Uh, he has declined rather rapidly over the last two years. So I'm not sure how much more he has left in the tank. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo has urged Manchester United to set a transfer fee so he can accept an offer table for the club. There is no offer and uh, it wouldn't matter what the fee is. No one wants it. Ronaldo's representatives have held talks with Sporting Lisbon, his first professional club. Now, you remember a few weeks ago, I went over the clubs that it could make sense to sign him. They were one and Bayern were the other because Bayern could still win the Bundesliga even with him. Um, so even though Bayern would take a step back, they'd still win the Bundesliga. For Sporting, I can, I can see the logic in it. I mean, he's your greatest ever export um, and it's the Portuguese league. So, yeah. I mean, like I can see that they might be the only club that would want him. Nuno Tavares will undergo a medical with Marseille today after the French side agreed a loan deal for the Portuguese left-back from Arsenal. Marseille have also begun, began talks over signing Chile forward Alexis Sanchez. Um, I don't think Marseille are very good at this, to be honest. I really don't. I don't think that's the signing a serious club makes. Uh, West Ham are continuing to talk to Eintracht Frankfurt over Philippe Kostic. I think he's vital to West Ham now, or a player like him is vital. Delivery from the left-hand side is going to be really important now with their, their new striker. Uh, Tottenham will try to beat Juventus to the transfer of Nicolo Zaniolo. I don't know why Roma would be in any way open to selling him. I'm very confused by this. Barcelona are interested in signing Sergio Regulon if they are unable to sign Marcus Alonso. See, the problem I have with stories like this is that Marcus Alonso is a target purely because he's got a year left of his contract and his fee would be low. Sergio Regulon is 25. He's got a long contract and Tottenham are going to want good money for him. AC Milan have agreed a deal to sign Charles de Ketelier, despite Leeds and Leicester having interest in the player. Well, Leicester have no money, and he just didn't want to go to Leeds. So 
he got his way. He wanted Milan, he gets Milan. Palmieri's have rejected two bids from Ajax for 18-year-old Brazilian forward Giovanni, and the Dutch side now have competition from Newcastle and Bayer Leverkusen. Now, Palmieri's have had a couple of very high-profile young players uh, in recent years. One of them uh, just signed for Porto, uh, Gabriel Veron. He's a very talented forward, plays largely on the right wing, but can play through the middle. Uh, he's just signed for Porto. And the other one is probably the biggest talent in Brazil at the minute, in Endrick. Uh, he, he's the one that everybody seems very excited by. But this Giovanni kid also has a huge buyout clause. He is 18. I believe the offer from Ajax was around 10 million. Uh, his buyout clause is more in the 50 million sort of region. And I really want him to stay where he is. I really like this Palmieri's team. They're lo- loads and loads of fun to watch. Uh, if you haven't watched any Palmieri's, they've won back to back a Copa Libertadores. They're absolutely tremendous team. Managed by Abel Ferreira, formerly of uh, Braga. Really good manager. I'm really hoping he will get uh, an opportunity at one of the big European clubs in the coming seasons because what he has done there is just amazing. Uh, They're in the quarterfinals of the Copa Libertadores again this season, going for a three-peat, which just doesn't really happen. Um, I think it's happened maybe twice in the last 30 years, something like that. Um, But yeah, I I think he's a a great manager, and I really want those players to stay there because I'd like to see them develop in a winning environment rather than going to a European club and maybe getting lost in the shuffle a little bit. Uh, Let's see. If Palmieri's can win the three in a row, oh, actually, they'd be the first team since Independiente won four in a row in the 70s. Uh, Estudiantes won three in a row in 68, 69, and 70. And that will be it. So it's happened twice ever that a team has won three in a row. Boca Juniors won three in four years. But this would be the first time anyone would have won three in a row since Independiente back in uh, 72, 73, 74. Then they again won it in 75. So it could be a historic thing if they can pull that off. Completely off topic. You know how I go on tangents. Anyway, uh, Newcastle and England fullback Kieran Trippier says he could have joined Manchester United last summer. Uh, yeah, they were strongly linked with him, but no bid was ever made. AC Milan and Roma are keeping tabs on Eric Bailly. Um, if he could stay fit, he'd be really good. Arsenal boss Mikel Arteta has left Bernard Leno, Pablo Mari and Hector Bellerin out of his side's preseason game against Brentford and they lost that game uh, with the trio expected to leave this summer. 
they, they, they want too much money for Leno, and it doesn't really seem to be any market for Mary at the moment. Bellerin, I assume, will go back to Wales. Well, Everton are set to receive a sell-on fee for Adamola Luckman, with Atalanta having agreed a fee of 12.5 million euro for the English winger. Now, I think there's porky pies here. Uh, to my knowledge, the sell-on clause was based on performance and profit. And considering that he has only played 11 league games in his three years being owned by Leipzig and has had two loans in the Premier League for full seasons, one at Fulham, one at Leicester, and that Leipzig are taking a loss on him, uh, my guess is there will be no money for Everton from this deal. Um, he's a good player. I do like him. I, I don't think Everton should ever have sold him, frankly. I think if they'd managed him properly, they could have gotten a really good wide forward out of him. And Luckman, Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison front three would have been quite good the last few years. Uh, Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp has played down suggestions Roberto Firmino could leave the club. Tottenham are willing to sell Giovanni Lo Celso for a fee of about 17 million. Villarreal and Fiorentina have shown interest. Lo Celso in cash for Pau Torres is a move that just makes sense because in the short term, Pau Torres can start on the left of your back three. And if he's not the one you want there long term, if you believe that next summer you can go and get Guardiol or Bastoni, well, then you simply move Pau Torres into the middle role where he's significantly better than Eric Dyer. So, you know, maybe you offer 40 million on the Celso, 35 million on the Celso for Pau Torres, whatever it takes to get the deal done. Uh, Manchester City have given James McAtee the green light to go on loan with Leeds and Nottingham Forest both linked. Good player. I think he needs a championship loan where he'll play. 35 to 40 games. Leicester missed out uh, missed out to Napoli on the signing of South Korea centre-back Kim Min-jae due to a lack of transfer funds. Uh, he's meant to be very good. I haven't seen a whole lot of him. was playing for Fenerbahce last season. I've seen like, bits and pieces, but Fenerbahce haven't been particularly good the last few years. Um, he's a fair old bear of a player, and he spent the one season there. Uh, so good profit for Fenerbahce. They paid €3 million. Euro, uh, they got just over €18 million. Euro. And finally, Burnley have made a bid to Belgian side Club Bruges for 27-year-old Scotland centre-back Jack Hendry. Uh, Jack Hendry is a solid centre-back who I was impressed at when he was at Dundee. He went to Celtic. It didn't really work from at Celtic. I don't actually know why but by all accounts he was excellent for club bruges last season um would make sense i mean burnley could do with another one at center back they've lost me tarkovsky and collins they've brought in hayward bellis they brought in egan riley and they brought in uh mcnally but they could do with someone a bit more experienced and he is a, a bit more experienced um was a a key piece in the team that won the Austrian title last season. Um, 
18 starts in the league, kind of the third centre-back for them. Yeah, I could see I can see the logic there, especially if he's going cheap enough. Now, you could probably do a little bit better, is the truth of it, but it's Burnley, they're in the championship, they don't have a whole lot of money to spend. Uh, but that's actually a very fun um, Club Rouge team. I mean, De Ketelier is there, obviously. Mats Ritz is there. He's very, very talented. Eder Belanta. It's like a with Belanta and Ritz, it's like a, you know what should have been. Those two had all the talent in the world, but just never quite became the players they were expected to be. Noah Lang is there. He's a lot of fun. Bastust is there, still banging in goals. Andreas Skov Olsen, who went to Bologna, didn't work. He went to um, Club Bruges in January and was great for them. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, look, Jack Henry's a decent player. He would help. He would help. He, I'd have him as the third centre-back behind McNally and Hayward Bellas, but that would be me. Right, that's me for the week, folks. I'll see you Monday. My voice is starting to go, so uh, take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.